Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 27. I'm really excited for this week's podcast because at the end of this week, I'll be taking my next Royal Caribbean cruise vacation on the beautiful and recently refurbished Navigator of the Seas. I want to take you on this cruise with me, virtually anyway, and preview my cruise on Navigator of the Seas and the Western Caribbean itinerary that I'm taking. We'll look at why I booked this cruise, take a closer look at Navigator of the Seas itself, the islands we're visiting, and review some of the plans we have for the trip. Here we go. I enjoy recording every episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. It's a real treat for me, honestly, but episodes like this week are when I really, really, really I'm excited for it because I'm just a few days away from my next cruise, and honestly, it's as good as it gets. This Sunday, I'll be taking my next Royal Caribbean cruise on Navigator of the Seas. Now, like all cruises I take, I want to share with you some of the thought process that went into booking this cruise, including why I booked this particular cruise and what my plans are. Of course, you can look forward to a review episode in about two weeks where I'll look back on my experience and see how my plans worked out or didn't work out as the case may be. So let's begin with the basic cruise details. I'm going on a seven-night Western Caribbean sailing on Navigator of the Seas out of Galveston, Texas. Navigator of the Seas is a Voyager-class ship and was launched in November 2002 and is the first of the second-generation Voyager-class ships. Basically, of the Voyager-class Navigator of the Seas and Mariner of the Seas were kind of had a little bit of a change to them. They had slight upgrades, nothing major, but there was enough of a distinction that it was kind of like a version 2.0, if you will. Navigator of the Seas was one of the largest ships in the fleet at the time of launch, and she's definitely a big ship today, but Voyager class, well, it's not as big anymore because, you know, Freedom class and Oasis class are certainly much, much larger, but it's still a very large ship. Now, the cruise that I'm going on will be visiting the islands of Cozumel, Belize City, and Roatan. Navigator of the Seas just finished a month-long dry dock and is taking her first cruise today, Wednesday of this week, in fact. The dry dock is important because it was part of Royal Caribbean's fleet-wide renovations that are bringing innovations first seen on the Oasis-class ships to all the ships in the fleet, and this happens to be Navigator's turn. In addition, Navigator of the Seas is unique in that it's the first Voyager-class ship to get this revitalization, and it's also a small test bed for a lot of Quantum of the Seas features in a few different ways. This includes it'll be the first ship to get virtual balconies, a brand new Wi-Fi internet system, and new specialty restaurants. There's also a number of other changes coming to Navigator this season, including after a movie screen, updated Vintage's wine bar, the addition of our bar, addition of Giovanni's table specialty restaurant, Izumi specialty restaurant, Sabor Modern Mexican specialty restaurant, Flowrider surf simulator, new staterooms, digital signage, pervasive Wi-Fi, flat screen TVs, that are interactive as well, Concierge Club, Diamond Club, Nursery for the Kitties, and a few more things as well. Frankly, it's an impressive list of changes, and I'll actually post a link in this episode's show notes on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com with deck-by-deck changes so you can see exactly what's coming to Navigator of the Seas. So here's the first question. Why did I book this cruise? I really love exploring why anyone books a particular cruise because let's face it, we all consider a lot of other options first, and I think it's really insightful to share with you why I booked this one and not other ones. There are three major reasons why I booked this particular Navigator of the Seas cruise. First, the changes to the ship I outlined earlier really impressed me. Breathing new life into a ship like Navigator really put it back into contention for me and my family because of what's offered now. We had been sailing really Freedom and Oasis class ships a lot in the past, so it was nice to get back to Voyager class, and the new upgrades to me, really appealing. It just really, again, I said earlier, breathing new life, it really makes a ship, it's, it is like a new ship really. We didn't have the entire list of changes back when we booked the cruise, but the idea of a completely refurbished ship really appealed to me, especially after seeing the amazing job Royal Caribbean has done with some of the other ship upgrades in the fleet. 
Now, as, of course, the self-professed geek that I am, being one of the first cruises post-refurbishment really also appealed to me because it's exciting to report on the changes firsthand to all our blog readers. So from a very geeky blog standpoint, there's that. Second, the itinerary included two new destinations for me. I've never been to Belize City or Roatan, and I love Central American cruise ports. Cozumel and Costa Maya are among my favorites because of the great food and the value that Americans get with their money. And yeah, did I mention that the beaches are really, really beautiful there? So it's really hard to go wrong with a stop in Central America, and that's why I really love the Western Caribbean. Now lastly, the stateroom we booked was particularly compelling because we managed to get a family ocean view stateroom. These staterooms are usually reserved for groups of five or six in their party, but because no one else booked it, we were able to snag it for just the three of us. So the idea of having a lot of room and even more importantly, separation between my wife and I and our daughter is really intriguing. I'll admit, I wish we were staying in a virtual balcony, but this is really going to be a treat for us. We booked this cruise back in November, and at the time, we basically wanted to take a cruise sometime soon and considered a few different options. The other cruises we considered were, well, there was a seven-night Explorer of the Seas out of New Jersey. This cruise was cheaper than Navigator and would not require a flight, but Explorer isn't refurbished yet and was going to go to only the Bahamas and Florida, which weren't exactly the most enticing options for us. There was also an eight-night Grandeur of the Seas cruise out of Baltimore. Again, inexpensive and no flight required, but it was and it was one extra night. It was eight nights instead of seven nights. The problem with it was it left on a Friday, which meant that we needed an extra vacation day, and it, again, only went to the Bahamas and Florida, so again, not that exciting. There was a seven-night serenade of the seas cruise out of New Orleans, and this was the most expensive choice that we had at the time, and it was a refurbished ship, but the itinerary just wasn't as exciting as Navigator. Now, there was also another sailing in Navigator of the Seas that we considered, which was the first sailing post-dry dock. But we passed on it because it was just a four-night cruise, and I really wanted the full experience, despite, of course, the geeky appeal of being the first on board to see the new things. I will admit, I tried to convince my wife to do a back-to-back with the February 5th and 9th cruises, but she reminded me something about this, how this podcast doesn't pay the bills, and it would be the f- best financial decision, and my kid has to go to college someday, so I've basically passed on that idea. <laughs> Speaking of my lovely wife, this cruise is just my family cruising, so it'll be me, her, and our three-year-old daughter. This will also be my daughter's first cruise where she can go to Adventure Ocean, the kids club that Royal Caribbean provides. We've been playing this up to my daughter for the better part of about three months now because in order for her to go, she has to be potty trained. And she's about 99% there with the occasional, oops, I forgot to go to the bathroom incident. These days, she knows it's bad to go in her pants and she's been out of diapers for like six weeks, but I wouldn't trust her to go an entire day without someone to remind her to go. As parents... Frankly, me and my wife are excited to have just a few hours here and there for her to go to Adventure Ocean while we enjoy maybe a drink by the pool or go in the pool, maybe we'll go to the gym, the restaurant, whatever. Our game plan basically is to bring her to Adventure Ocean for one to three hours at a time with bathroom breaks immediately before dropping her off. For those unaware, Adventure Ocean staff explicitly cannot help the kids go to the bathroom. So while she can manage it on her own, it may be easier for her to send her in short bursts rather than risk an extended period of time alone. My daughter's really super excited about it anyway. She's calling it camp. That's what, we, that's what we call Adventure Ocean to her. And she really wants to go. So here's hoping this really works out half as well as I'm hoping. If she can go to Adventure Ocean twice a day for a couple of hours each time, I will be thrilled. Now, aside from the cool new features on board Navigator, there are also some cool ports we're visiting as well. You may be aware of these plans already because I posted our port plans on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com earlier. And I'll, of course, link to them in our episode show notes. That being said, we're going to be visiting Cozumel in Mexico, Belize City in Belize, and Roatan in Honduras. So let's talk about each port and what our plans are. Well, of course, we got to start with where we're going from, which is Galveston, Texas, our port of departure. 
We're flying to Galveston on Saturday, the day before the cruise. And as I've often said, it's a really good idea to fly in at least one day before your cruise. So if there are any delays, they don't impact missing your cruise. And if you can swing this, it's a great idea. And this point is very apparent for me because right now looking at the weather forecast, there's a iffy storm, snowstorm out there. So already I'm starting to worry about it. But again, at least we're flying a day before. And if we're delayed three, four, five hours, it's going to be, I'm not going to be happy about it. But at least I'm not going to miss my cruise because of it. Now, assuming we make it to Galveston, of course, we've booked the Galveston Beach Hotel. And our basic plan is to just see Galveston by foot and enjoy what's around the hotel. I've heard that it's a very good walking city once you're where you need to be. We don't have a car. We're having a friend drive us. Thank you, Paul. And we're going to just explore the city on our own. But again, we're not getting in, I think, to Houston until like the early afternoon. But then we get our stuff, drive to Galveston. You know, we'll probably be situated and ready to explore probably closer to late afternoon, early evening. So not going to be a full day, but it'll be something to see. Now, Galveston is supposed to be nice, as I mentioned, but the port facility, however, is really riddled with reviews of slow service for a variety of reasons. Regardless, we'll aim to arrive to the port early and just hope for the best. That's all we can do, really. Our first port is Roatan, which is island I've never been to. Roatan is in Honduras and will be docked there. Our basic plan is to use a driver that one of our blog readers recommended, Herman, to go to a beach in the morning and then look somewhere on the island and probably head back to the ship. Roatan, unfortunately, is going through a lot of crime problems. To the point, it's evidently the murder capital of the world, which is obviously concerning. Now, I've been fortunate enough to get a lot of great advice from American expats who live down there now or lived down there just recently on where to go and I on where to avoid. And I really feel good about our plan. And again, I really want to thank everybody, not just people in Roatan, but in all the ports we've been posting our plans for. I've gotten probably the best feedback I've ever gotten about anything. Really good first-hand advice. So thank you so much to everyone out there. Now, via email, Herman and I worked out our plan. I think we've got a really good idea. Roatan is supposed to be really, really beautiful. So I'm really looking forward to our day here. I'm not going to let the the news ruin it because as, as everyone knows who's been to a lot of these cities, you hear lots of things, but you know what? That's not typical. It's not like everything happens is bad in those ports. And I think if you're smart and we're relying on a good local that I'm getting firsthand experience from, I think we'll be good. Next up is Belize City, and this will be our first time in Belize also. And Belize City also has a bad reputation in regards to getting to the port because it's a tender port. So it's take ferries to get to and from the ship. The issue is, this is the first time using tenders, but the issue is tender rides take about 20 minutes each way, which is really long. And evidently, people report that those not on a roller creeping excursion, which is us, have to wait for those on a roller creeping excursion to go first. So the best advice people have given us is either you go right in the beginning, like first thing in the morning, you know, you're lined up, you're ready to go, or you wait it out. I think we're going to go first thing in the morning because we booked Goff's K, I think I'm pronouncing that right, which is a nice looking beach with some great reviews for a really good price. It looks beautiful. We booked that online. I'm hoping for the best again with that. I think the issue is not so much getting, not so much the island, but getting there. We'll see how it goes. Now, like Roatan, this will be a beach day, and I'm already preparing myself for the tender problems, but I'm hoping that when we get to the beach and have a cerveza or two, I'll feel a little bit better. Belize seems like it could be really great or bad and nothing in between because of the transportation issues. Maybe that'll harp. I'll harp on it too much, and I won't be able to enjoy it. I hope not, but the best I can do is really just, you know, hope for the best and cross my fingers, right? Last, we've got Cosmel, and I've been to Cosmel a number of times, and I love it there. I'm hoping to spend the day exploring the city, which I find a lot of fun. By exploring, I mean shopping and sampling of food. I'm a salsa addict, so I'm looking forward to getting as much of the good stuff as I can, and we're just going to kind of see what's around there. I've done some research, maybe saw our blog posts. 
about some of the places I want to go to. We may also take a taxi after lunch to a beach area like Chen Rio, which actually, again, another reader, this is Cozumel.com recommended for us somewhere low-key but fun. And Cozumel has been consistently good for us. I'm not worried about our day, weather permitting, of course. I never really get sick of walking around and just seeing what else there is around the corner. It's really a great city to explore. It, it feels safe. It's very inviting. People are very, very nice, and we've had a great time there. In terms of what we want to do on board the ship, of course, because you know I didn't mention they got a huge refurbishment, there's a lot to see and do on Navigator this season, especially about that refurbishment. Now, already, I've booked dining reservations at Chops Grill, Giovanni's Table, Sabor Modern Mexican, and, of course, Izumi. I booked Chops for Valentine's Day a while ago to make sure we had something booked. And as I said on other podcasts, Chops Grill is a consistently good meal and among my favorite restaurants to eat at anywhere on Royal Caribbean ships. Chops isn't new to Navigator, but it's going to be our Valentine's Day gift to each other. That's me and my wife, of course. So my kid is going somewhere that night. I don't know where it is. It could be if it's Adventure Ocean or the in-room babysitter. We're going to squeeze out a couple hours alone, so we'll figure something out there. I also booked lunch at Giovanni's Table, which is new to Navigator of the Seas. I ate at Giovanni's Table on Oasis of the Seas and really liked it. To me, it's really hard to screw up Italian, so it's more of a question of how good it will be versus you know worrying about a bad food experience overall. I think Giovanni's Table is going to be a solid addition, and since they're open for lunch, I'm excited to try it again without losing a night in the main dining room. Now, it's probably not a surprise to a lot of people that know me that I've booked Izumi for lunch as well because... Back on my Oasis of the Seas cruise, I ate there every night but one, so clearly I was a fan. This time around, my wife mentioned something about not spending all our money at Izumi again, so we'll see if by not eating there every night, she's okay if I manage just at least most of the nights. <laughs> clearly, this plan will result in me sleeping in the Windjamer one night, but it'll be worth it for really good sushi, and of course, that's what I'm there for. Actually, my plan is to I have one main reservation. I'm going to go there, and that'll be our dinner, right? Or our lunch, rather. But... I'm hoping I can squeeze in maybe a trip or two, you know, with just one roll. That's what I'm, that's my motto. Just one roll, just one roll. <laughs> we'll see. And of course, my game plan for going to Izumi, and this is based on my previous experience on Oasis of the Seas, is to always go for the special roll of the day. It was always the best roll they had there. So we'll see about that. Now, lastly, we also booked Sabor Modern Mexican, the brand new Mexican restaurant that's first coming to Navigator of the Seas. I think Sabor is really a test for Quantum of the Seas, and if it does well, it'll be added to the ship as well on Quantum. As the name implies, Sabor offers modern Mexican food and has me intrigued. I'll post a link in this week's show notes to the menu, and to me, the menu looks good. I know some people have doubts about it, especially with the price of $25 per person, but I'm willing to give it a shot, and I still think it's easily going to get $25 worth of food for me during the evening. And I'm optimistic about how it will be based on the fact that other Royal Caribbean specialty restaurants have always been good and worth the cost. Now, besides eating, which is a big deal for me, as you can sell, I'm also looking forward to seeing some of the new venues on board. And I hope this cruise will finally get a chance to try the rock climbing wall. For those unaware, I've always aspired to try the rock climbing wall, but never had a chance for whatever reasons. Never worked out. Like I know Jewel is our last cruise. I went to go do it. And it was closed because the wall was too hot. So it's that one thing I've never done, and I'm hoping I'll be doing this time. Of course, I'll be live blogging every single day of our cruise on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com to share with all of you my experiences. I'll put a link in the show notes actually to our past live blogs to give you an idea of what to expect, but it'll be a daily report of what I did with lots of photos to share as well. I'll also be tweeting and posting Instagram photos, so be sure to follow us there too. In fact, I plan on doing a live webcam of our ship leaving Galveston for you to watch with us. So look for the link on RollerCaribbeanBlog.com on this coming Sunday. When we get back, expect a review podcast all about everything that happened, and I'll try to compare my plans versus how what actually happened. It's always an interesting 
exercise. And you know what? I'm really excited. I got to tell you, I think this will be a really fun week and I hope you'll be able to join me virtually at least for the experience on realcaribbeanblog.com and sharing the fun, especially with your comments. I really, really enjoy that. So I can't wait for this cruise to begin and I'm even more excited that I'll be bringing you all with me, at least virtually. Let's go to the comments, messages, tweets, Facebook posts, everything else that you use to communicate with me. Shadows, I'm not sure how that works, but theoretically, I guess it could work. Anyway, let's go to the first one. It's from Sean Wallace. He sends an email. says, thanks for another great podcast and valuable information. The main dining room has always been one of the most memorable parts of each Royal Caribbean cruise for my family. The crew on the various ships have really gone out of their way to ensure a great experience. I really enjoy meeting the crew as well as the fellow tailmates. It really personalizes the vacation and makes for great memories. I look forward to each night seeing everyone at their table to hear about their day, as well as hear suggestions for the next day, as well as things to try for future cruises. And you're absolutely right. The crew want you to have the best experience. Just let them know if something didn't meet an expectation, and they will do whatever they can to try and fix it and exceed your expectations. Thanks for the great work. Thanks, Matt. Sean? agree 100 percent. i think you got the right strategy there and you know everything you were saying totally agree with you know it's, it's to me it just makes it a little more interesting sharing your experience talking about your day to me that's that's a lot of fun and of course you know since i'm excited about the cruises i'm on there other people are excited about it too it's kind of like you know a mutually beneficial thing so couldn't agree more sean thanks for the email Next email is from Bill Carney. Hi, Matt. My wife and I just returned from our first cruise, which was the Celebrity Silhouette, and enjoyed it so much, we're ready to book our next cruise. As I said in my last email, we wanted to give Royal Caribbean a try, and the Navigator of the Seas looks like a great choice. However, we're trying to pick the best time of the year to cruise from a pricing standpoint and balancing that against the weather and what we can expect to see. So we're trying to thread the needle or have our cake needed too. We've played with the Royal Caribbean website, Ad Nauseam, and have decided there must be a better way to figure this out. We're hoping you can help us pinpoint two or three best times of the year to cruise based on the combination of price and weather. By the way, Celebrity did a great job, and the Silhouette was a beautiful ship. It was the perfect first cruise, and we'll try them again next year. I figure it's okay to say this here since Royal Caribbean and Celebrity are in the same family. As always, thanks for the great podcast and blog postings. We look forward to listening each week. Bill, thank you so much for the kind words. It really means a lot to me to hear that. And absolutely nothing wrong with cruising uh, celebrity. They are, of course, the sister company to Royal Caribbean, so it's all good. In fact, I don't really care if you who you cruise with. I think Royal Caribbean is the best, but there's nothing wrong with that. You're not going to insult me if you cruise with someone else. It's always good to compare anyway, right? Anyway, back to your question. So the best time for money and weather and all that good stuff. For money, the best time of the year, there's no question about it, is going to be during hurricane season. I mean, it's going to be the cheapest times. That's, of course, the month of September and October especially. You're going to find the best deals out there. But as you mentioned, it's always a crapshoot, right? Because you never know what the weather is going to do. I've had really good luck with it, knock on wood, in terms of cruising in September. I, well, In fact, I just did jewel this season, had no issues at all. You know, the Western Caribbean is much more susceptible than the Southern Caribbean, so there's that. If you're looking for other times of the year, January, which just passed, was a great time. It, it, it seems to me like it's the cheapest prices that are out there. So if you can wait until January 2015, that's a great time. It'll be cool. I mean, it's not going to be very warm, especially depending on where Navigator of the Seas is next year. I think it'll still be in Galveston in January 2015, but January can be definitely cooler. I mean, heck, just our cruise going here in February next week, I think the highs are like in the 60s or something like that. That's not exactly pool weather, but where you're going is warm, so there's that. If you're looking for probably the next best option, so maybe you want to pay a little bit more than the options I just said, but you want to have better weather, you're going to probably be looking at a month like May, which kids are still in school, but it's definitely warm pretty much everywhere you're going, and that's going to be a good, and you're still before hurricane season. That's a great time. Otherwise, the month of December isn't bad, especially if you can go the first like two, three weeks of December. It's still warm, but again, you're 
kind of, you know, they're going during a time that's not that busy. So hopefully that answered. And if any of our listeners have any advice on terms of other good times, perfect times of the year for money and weather, I'm up for it. So good luck, Bill. And of course, we want to hear about what you ended up choosing. Next email is from Christopher Percy. Hello, Matt. Very informative podcast in episode 26, Coco K. The private island experience is a nice enhancement to any cruise, and both Royal Caribbean islands are worth checking out. I thought you had some really interesting emails and comments from our fellow bloggers in this podcast. All the hard work you put in the 26 episodes to date is really paying off with a loyal following. Thanks for all your hard work and commitment to deliver a quality product every week. Thank you, Christopher. And you know what? I, I'll say it every week, and it's honestly the, the, the truth. I really, really, really appreciate all the kind words that you and everyone else has been saying about this podcast on the site. It, it really, again, I'm not making any, I'm not making a living off this podcast or this website for that matter. So yeah, I'm doing this for fun and I'm so happy to hear that you and others are enjoying it. So really from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for the really kind words. Thank you, Christopher. We have another email from Marcy, longtime listener to WW Today and a big Disney fan, but I want to start venturing out into the world of cruising. Yes, Marcy. Yes. That, I wrote that part in. I've never cruised before and hope to start in a few years, but my question is, how do I talk to my husband into cruising? He is really not excited about the whole idea of it, and he always brings up the fact that people get sick on cruises, and there are always outbreaks of gastrointestinal illnesses. Do you worry or think about this on a cruise? Do you make sure to wash your hands like a thousand percent more than you normally do? While I think of cruising as a fun vacation, I do see his point a little and would hate to feel stranded on a ship while sick or worse, had my young children get sick on a cruise. Thanks so much. Love your podcast. It's super informative and a fun listen. Marcy, this is a great question, and I think because you're a Disney World fan, I'm going to put this exactly in a way that you're going to understand it. To way, the way that your husband worries about going on the cruise and getting sick or going overboard or whatever his concerns are, are the same way that people hear about bad things that happen in Disney World, like people dying on rides and thinking that's really a realistic possibility for you. The reality is, no, you're more than likely not going to be injured or harmed in Walt Disney World on a ride, right? Those rides are safe. Do you have things happen in the past? Absolutely. Unfortunately, it's just how, you know, accidents happen. By the same token, look, norovirus happens on cruise ships. It's a fact of life, unfortunately. It doesn't happen all the time. And we had really two really bad weeks, unfortunately, with Explorer of the Seas and before that, Legend of the Seas. But those are two out of how many ships has Roker been having? You know, 20-something ships, right? And those were going all the time. Norovirus is something that I feel is... Preventable if you do the right things. Wash your hands before you do anything, with, you know, eating, drinking. Just go wash your hands really quickly. It doesn't take a whole lot. It's a good practice anyway to be doing. But yes, I go every time I'll make sure to wash my hands with soap and water. I'll tell my daughter to do the same exact thing. When you're going to push buttons in the elevator, use your knuckle. That's a tip I learned somewhere. I don't remember where I picked that up. It's not my idea, but I learned that, you know, instead of using your fingers, that's one way of doing it. You know, there's some basic things that you can do. But again, I'm not going to let that ruin my vacation. I'm not going to let that ruin my idea of taking a cruise altogether because it doesn't happen on every single cruise. It doesn't happen on 50% of the cruises. It doesn't happen on 10% of the cruises. So, you know, it's a possibility in the same way that, again, someone getting in an accident on a Disney World attraction is a possibility. It's not probable, but it's something that's, be you know, I wouldn't let it worry, you know, and kind of cancel your trip. Now, on top of that, how do you kind of get them on the idea of the cruise? Let me tell you something. It's a lot of fun. I would recommend watching some videos. You know, they have their cruise DVDs that various cruise lines do. I'm not sure if Royal Caribbean still has one anymore. They used to back in the day. But you can, you know, it, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a very relaxing experience. And maybe just try a shorter cruise, like a four-night cruise. Three-night cruises are too short. Don't try that one. Try a four-night. Seven-night, I think, is great. But, you know, try one of the shorter ones and see if you like that because it's only four nights. But 
it's such a fun experience because it's just like going to a theme park like Disney World, except it's more relaxed and more, you know, less worrying about logistics because, you know, all your things are pretty much prepared for you. Your food is there. You can do certain things. But I think as a Disney fan, you're going to enjoy going cruising as well. And for me, Marcy, just like you, I started out, you know, I said, oh, let me go to Disney Cruise Line. Their pricing, unfortunately, I feel is way too high for what their product is, but that's why I like Royal Caribbean, and I'm hoping you'll try it out. You know what, Marcy? Let's do the best of both worlds here. Let's plan for you to join us on our Royal Caribbean blog group cruise, which is March 21st, uh, 2015. It's going to be going out of New York City, which I'm hoping is somewhere near you. Maybe you can drive there. Regardless, you're going to be a bunch of Disney fans there like myself. And, of course, it's going to be a Royal Caribbean experience. You can kind of roll it all together. I think it's the perfect blend. And once again, I've successfully, shamelessly plugged the group cruise on this podcast. So there you go, Marcy. But honestly, I'll put a link in the show notes to it for you to get more information. And again, if you have more questions or, or need some more insight or whatever, you can email me or you can post on the Royal Caribbean blog message boards. The guys and gals on there are fantastic with these kinds of questions. And they will they really helpful. So if you've got specific questions, you want ammunition to help you convince your husband, we're all here for you, Marcy. We're all in your corner. We want to get you on that cruise. Let's make it happen. So whatever you need, we'll come up with the reasons for it. All right. Now that I've ruined one marriage, I'm kidding, of course. But uh, if you want to get in touch with us and get advice, share your share your thoughts, comments, questions, whatever's on your mind, we want to hear about it, of course. You can tweet us. We are at the RCL blog on Twitter. Facebook, we are facebook.com slash Royal Caribbean blog. You can email us, Matt, M-A-T-T, at Royal Caribbean blog.com or Call the Royal Caribbean blog voicemail by calling 408-6-ROYAL-6. That's 408-676-9256. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.